Hey, welcome to Vine Church Fort Myers podcast. We are glad that you took time to listen. We pray that the message of grace empowers you today. We pray in the name of the Lord Jesus. We pray for revelation. Let the eyes of our hearts be open to see the light of the gospel, the glory of the Lord in the face of Jesus Christ. And as we are enlightened, God, transform us. Let us experience the multiplied grace upon our families, upon our lives. We pray in Jesus' name and everybody said, Amen. Amen. Praise God. Today, the title of my message is Conquer Your World. We believe that God wants to use you where you are. And sometimes we don't have the same heart of the Lord toward the world. We, we know there's something wrong out there. There's something uh, broken out there. Because you look to the youth in our generation and they are depressed when they were supposed to have fun and enjoy freedom. They are literally overdosing themselves with medication, antidepressants, just, but, but doesn't make any sense. We look to the marriages and they were supposed to be expressions of love and care. But now the divorcing rate is skyrocketing. And we have all kinds of misery and heartbreaking and complications as a side effect of this in our families. Yes, we live in a broken world. We are in a broken world. And the Bible actually told us that this is part of their own decision. This is a consequence of the world's own decision. Let's go with me to Romans chapter 1, verse 24. And Apostle Paul is describing the reality of this world. And he says, Therefore, God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves. Look, verse 25. Because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. The Lord is the creator. He is the Lord of everything. But the world chose to worship, to praise, to value the creation instead of the creator. And the consequence of that is all kinds of brokenness, evil, malice, and all kinds of wickedness. Actually, the list goes very wide here. Now, Apostle Paul puts a mirror in front of the reality of the world. And he says in verse 28, And since they did not fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to the a debased mind. That, that's not, there's no greater and worse judgment than that. To be left to yourself. To be given up by on your own instincts, your own desires. To a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. Verse 29. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit. 
maliciousness. They are gossips. Oh, yeah. Gossips. Social media. We, we are. We are in this world. They are slanderers, Haters of God. Don't come with this God stuff to me. Don't talk to No, I know what I'm supposed to do. Haters of God. Insolent. Haughty. Boastful. Inventors of evil. Disobedient to parents. Foolish. Faithless. Heartless. Ruthless. Though they know God's righteous decree. That those who practice such, who practice such things deserve to die. We all know. The whole world knows. There is this embedded, intrinsic conscience level that says, I'm doing wrong. I'm, mess I'm messing up. But there is no the consequence. There is no answer for that wonderings. How I'm going to fix that? There is no practical solution of what I'm going to do with this wickedness within me. But they know. The world knows. They not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. We are in a time that we don't call sin, sin. This is just, this is just my family uh, background. This is how I was brought up. No, this is just like my hot blood Latino, you know, this is, this is how we are. Oh, no, 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 this is, this is simply, you know, I have a, a little problem, my, my temper, my mood, I just need some therapy, and I'm going to be good with that. You don't call sin, sin anymore. And we actually dare to even to, instead of recognizing, at least there you have a problem. Some people even got to the point to say, but I am like that. Who are you? To judge me, you racist, because I am like that. And now, instead of really recognizing I need a Savior, no, 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 no. I am this sin. I am this problem. And because I am this problem, it's very hard even to expose that you need redemption, that you need salvation. This world is broken. This world is lost. However, God loved this world. And I know we suffer in this world, but God in His crazy grace loved this world. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 9, 36, after looking to the multitudes and to the crowds, He said that He had compassion for them because they were Harassed and helpless. One of the, the last words that Paul didn't include in his list in Romans chapter 1 is that this world is also helpless. Yes, they are ruthless. They are wicked. They are all kind of terrible, sinful state. But they are that. They are like that. Most of them. I'm saying most of the people out there. They are helpless. Because they don't know any better. The truth is, they are like sheep without a shepherd. They never heard there is a better way. There is a Savior. Most of the people out there, I know they, they practice malice. They hate one another. They are disobedient. But the truth is, most of them 
they don't know any better. And that's why they keep in that state. And that's why the Lord have, has compassion over them. Because they are like sheep without shepherd. But let me say something. The concept of the world about God is the problem. Remember, Paul says the problem is that they exchange the truth about God. And what is the truth that they believe out there? That God is a demander. That God is a charger. That God will bring the invoice and woe to you. You have to pay. But that's not the truth about God. Because God, John 3.16, come on church. Because God so loved that He didn't charge. He didn't ask. He didn't brought an invoice. He gave. He gave what was the most precious gift. He gave His only Son. So that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. Receive eternal life. It's not a demand. It's not a charging. It's not a price you have to pay. You receive. But look at the problem of the world. That's why I'm saying they don't know any better. The, the truth about God, the insisting belief, is that God will crush them, kill them, destroy them, punish them. But God so loved that He gives. Are you guys with me? But they don't know that. They're actually expecting that God will judge them. They are afraid of God. Most people out there. They are in all that state that we read in Romans chapter 1 because they don't know. That God will not judge. Actually, verse 17 of the following, uh, uh, in the context of John 3, 3 says, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. But who? Who will go and make that amazing, awesome the best news ever known to them. Who are going to go and proclaim that new concept, truth about God. That God is not a charger, a demander, but He is a giver. He is a lover of this world. Who are we going to go? And we know who we're going to go. First Peter chapter 2, verse 9. You are, you can poke the close neighbor to you. You are chosen. Tell, remind him, remind her, you are chosen. Yes, we're going to go. You know why we're going to go? Because we are royal priesthoods. We are we're royal priests. We are representatives. We are in the middle. We are in the breach of intercession. We are priests. And, and it's not any kind of priest. We represent royalty. We represent divinity. We are royal priesthood, holy nation, a people for his own possession. Why? Why were all these amazing qualities? So, therefore, in order to, you and I may, what? Proclaim. Make it clear. Make it, make it evident that God, the truth they keep believing. The image they keep standing about God is not the final truth. We may proclaim the excellencies. The qualities, the adjectives of this amazing God that call us out of darkness into His marvelous light. In other words, they have, the world place God and qualify God with some adjectives. 
demander, judging God. He is an evil God. He's ready to punish, punish God. But that, there are, these are not real qualities. These are not real values about God. We should proclaim His excellencies. Are you guys with me? And we go because He chose us. He made us. He called us out of darkness. Now, let, let's, let's be honest. How were you called out of darkness? Did you, by any chance, bump into an angel in the corner of the street? Probably not. You probably didn't have the audible voice of God opening the sky and speaking with you. Probably not. You were called because someone out of the darkness called you to your life group. Call you to the service. Call you to the family retreat. Call you. And because you were, you were called, you're also chosen. In the same way you were, we can do it. It's not rock science. It's not a deep theological training. I can call a friend to my life group. I can call a friend to the service. I can call someone the way I was called. It's, again, it's not so hard. But, but what I'm going to say if I call him, you're going to say that God is good, that God is not evil. You're going to say that God is a savior, that God is not a judger willing to punish. You're going to say his excellencies. That's what I'm going to proclaim. Are you guys with me? Come on, someone. That's what you're going to say. We, know we don't need to be, again, deeper student, students of the Bible in the sense to know cover to cover. But I know one thing, that God is gracious. That's what you know, so say it. Proclaim it. Now, it, that's why we have the Bible here, so we can learn more of these excellencies, more of these attributes. Now, Pastor, come on. It, it's not as easy as you are sounding and speaking here. I have to agree that in certain aspects, there are some resistance there. And to be more specific, there is one that resists us, that resists the message. Now, Jesus was tempted three times, Matthew 4, Luke 4, and first time in his physical needs, second time he, his question about his trust on God's protection, third time, the last time we have this event. Jesus is in the top of the mountain, and the devil took him, Matthew 4, 8, to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their glory. Verse 9 says, The devil said, All this I will give it to you. I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. How dare you, Satan, to say that all this belongs to you so you can give. In a certain aspect, Genesis chapter 3 tells us there was a... Deceit. There was a, uh, a forging of signature that took certain level of authority under this world. In other words, the world was meant to be us, ours. To us, descendants, children of God. But now, because we were deceited, our signature were forged... In a certain level, we have this trespassing tenant stepping into this land. And it's, we have to be honest because John, in his first letter, chapter 5, says, We know 
that we are from God. And the whole world lies in a certain level in the power under the, the influence or resistance of the evil one. We, we have to, to agree that there are some resistance out there. But even though the devil found some authority at the cross in the Calvary, Jesus took the keys of hell and death and now have all authority back. But doesn't mean that Jesus, because he have all authority back, that we don't need to take hold, possession, take again what rightfully belongs to God. This is the people of Israel. They received the promise of Canaan, the promised land. Go, I give it to you, the almighty sovereign God, the owner of all the earth and what is in therein. Psalm 24 verse 1. Everything belongs to God. He says, this little piece of uh, Middle East, it's yours. I give it to you, people of Israel. All right, let's go there. It's ours. Uh-oh, there are giants here. There are enemies here resisting our possession. Welcome to the battle, my friend. We will conquer this world, but the devil may resist us with an illegal forged signature, but we have all authority given back to us in Jesus Christ. But we have to go there. We have to step our feet and take hold of the land again. We are called to conquer our world. How are we going to do this, Pastor? So the best story I could find to give you three principles of how to conquer our world is in Matthew chapter 16. Very known passage. Jesus is with his disciples. And he is wondering what the world thinks about him. Let's go over there. Matthew chapter 16, verse 13. Are you guys with me? Yeah. Amen. Now, when Jesus came, 13, 16, 13. When Jesus came to the district of Caesarea, Matthew 16, 13. Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say? That I am. Who do people say that the Son of Man is? Okay, okay, disciples, uh, check our Facebook comments. Let's see what people are talking about me right now. Tell me what the world is speaking about me. It's easy to know. Just open any magazine at Christmas time, and you're going to find out that people already acknowledge the historical figure Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Like, no one would be crazy enough to deny the existence in history of this remarkable figure. But that's not enough. It's not enough to fix them, to save them. They still in the, the wickedness and the brokenness of their sin and lostness. Oh, every year there are some people that acknowledge the great teachings of the great rabbi of Nazareth. But again, this is not enough to make them save and fix and, and restore who do people say that I am? And they respond. They say, uh, some say you are the reincarnation of John the Baptist. Verse 14. 16, 14. Others say that you are the reincarnation of Elijah. Others say that you are the reincarnation of Jeremiah. Uh, or maybe one of the prophets. You are weird and strange. It seems like a prophet. And we have these ideas about you. 
and all those considerations about Jesus is not enough. They are not enough to fix this world. Finally, verse 15, he said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter replied, you are, the whole church repeated after me, say, you are, you are the, Christ. the Christ. Say with me, you are, you are the Son of the living God. Say, praise God, hallelujah in this place. Come on. This confession that I know you repeat after me, but you made it once. You made it by yourself once. And this confession, this revelation, this, uh, this awareness, this enlightenment you received, that Jesus is not an ordinary man in history. He's not only a very intelligent rabbi. That he is beyond just a healer in the streets. That he is God himself incarnated in his son. He is the very Messiah that saves me, redeems me. Amen. That made me a different person. It's interesting because the next verse, verse 17, Jesus says, You are blessed. You are really blessed, Simon. Simon Bar-Jonah. All right, Simon, son of Jonah. You are really blessed, man. Because for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. But my Father who is in heaven. Wow, that's amazing. Now, let me say something. I am a pastor of about 400-member church. I um, supposedly people who know me, but I'm a very ordinary man, and I have no problem with that. And I'm more ordinary, you become more common person when you have famous relatives. So my sister is a successful athlete in Brazil. When I go there, people identify me as the brother of my sister. And here, for some reason, when my brother visits me, he's a doctor. And he's very known doctor already in the community. So people knows me, they say, oh, you are the brother of the doctor such and such, my brother. And said, yes, I am. It's pretty much like you, ordinary Simon. We don't even know who was Simon if it was not the reference that he was the son of Jonah. Jesus used that expression to say, you were just a, a anyone, any person, ordinary person out there. However... Because now you had your eyes open. Because now you had revelation. Oh, now you are not just an ordinary man. Next verse. I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Hallelujah. And whatever it you lose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Number one, how can we proclaim boldly, fearless, shameless the gospel? How can we conquer this world that has, yes, someone resisting, something resisting, whatever demon, whatever Satan is, how we're going to conquer our world. Number one, we need the revelation. We need to have our eyes open. Again, we don't need deep theology. Even though I compliment you, it is good to have. But you need to know Jesus as the Messiah. 
And, and, and even if you can't explain much, just say there is no other way. There are no many ways to heaven. He is the way. He is the Messiah. He is the only one that can save you from the pit of darkness that you are. There is no one else, nothing else you can perform. He is the Son of the living God, the only Savior of this world. When I have this revelation, I'm not just another Simon, brother of the doctor, brother of the athlete. In other words, I don't have reference in myself. But now I become a rock, a pietra, a, a stone. More precisely, 1 Peter chapter 2, a living stone. We are like living stones. We are being built as spiritual houses to be holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Are you guys with me? Now, I was took from the um, group, from the, uh, the construction uh, material store, and I was placed in the edification of God's house. When I have this revelation, I am made living stone. Number two, how we would proclaim how we will fearless proclaim. How we will courageous go and conquer what Jesus paid with the price of blood. When we become the church. We are nothing by ourselves. We need one another. On this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell and the resistance of principalities, powers, dominions in the dark, in the spiritual, demonic world. It doesn't matter if, we, if you are church, the gates of hell will not prevail. We will invade hell and we will proclaim the excellencies of God and we will conquer the land that belongs to him. Are you guys with me? Come on, somebody. Now, I have to be church. And church is not an individual concept. I know in the Western world, we are trying to create this new definition of church. But church is ecclesia. And ecclesia is a group of selected people. Better saying, chosen people. That because they represent a greater king, a, a, a greater kingdom, they walk together and influence like salt determines the taste of the food. So church, it is not possible. And I'm sorry if you're watching us online. If you're just by yourself after almost two years, by yourself in your living room. You have to be together. You have to get connected. With this, is merely person around you. It doesn't matter. They are church with you. You need the body of Christ. Our life group is what is stand against the devil. It is our church together, not alone. Ephesians chapter 1. I have to go with me on this verse because it's powerful. Verse 19. And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe? God has a measureless 
limitless power in our disposition, but we have to believe according to the work of His great might. Verse 20, that He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead. So it is the resurrection power that is within us. He raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places. Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and demonic resistance and devilish attempts. It doesn't matter. The power of God, his authority is above, far above all the, the claims that the devil makes over your family, over our city, over our colleges. Verse 22. And far above in every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. Verse 22. And he put all things under Jesus' feet and gave him as the head over all things to the Church. Now, I don't know if you got that. That Jesus received of authority from the Father, but He laid this authority to us, the church. Again, it's not you alone, my friend. You alone will, you might be crushed by the oppressions, depressions, suggestions of the devil. But together with the church, I dare you, you will not be depressed for long. I'm telling you, come and pray with us. I'm saying, just come and join us. Through the washing of the word of God, you will be delivered. Look, I'm tired again, guys, as a pastor, to counsel things that needs deliverance. And I know where you're going to find that freedom. It is within the church. I am a living example of, about that. I know I insist in this story. But without the church, in 2016, when my little one went to heaven, I would never be able to stand ever again in my sanity, in my mind sanity. It was the church that protected me, that brought me again to the position of authority I meant to be. Verse 23, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So... Don't miss your life group this week. I could summarize simple like that. Don't miss the next services. Join us in prayer and fasting. We're heading to the second week. Join us this week. Come on. I dare you. I know you can do it. I know becoming church, you will be a bold proclaimer. Becoming church, you'll be a courageous conqueror. Of what the Lord has given us. We will conquer this world. Come on somebody. But we need to have revelation. We need to be church. Number three. Let me close with this. The remaining story. Is Peter coming to Jesus. And saying Jesus. Uh, how are we going to do this? And Jesus say. I'm going to do this. Suffering. I'm going to do this. Being the Messiah you just mentioned. Paying the price through suffering, taking the cross, going through death. No, 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 Jesus. I was thinking to actually, you know, bring a loan so we could buy some weapons to finally cut some Romans' heads. What are you, what are you talking about? Yes, I will be this Messiah 
and this son of the living God that he just mentioned suffering the cross. And, they, and, and Peter got so impressed with that plan that he tried to convince Jesus different. Verse 22, first, Matthew chapter 16, 22. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Far be it from you, Lord. This shall never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me, for you are not set in your mind on the things of God, but on the things of men. Look, Peter, if we're going to conquer this world, we cannot think like the world thinks. Our kingdom is an upside-down kingdom. That's why to conquer this world, we also need to surrender. Just surrender. Surrender our concepts. Surrender our comfort. Surrender our safety. I was wondering what areas in my life I hold back from the Lord. I was asking myself, preparing this message, what should I give up to God more? I know there are some people listening to me that they don't see much a problem what Pastor Tullio was talking about, finances. They are good givers. They are generous. But don't ask my time, Pastor. I just want to pay for a good service. There are others that they are very ready volunteers. They serve. It's quite easy for them. But their wallets never got converted. Never. I don't know what it needs to be surrendered for you. But if you will, we'll become proclaimers. Conquerors. We also need to surrender. Philippians 1.27. Paul saying, we are reading this verse every single day here. So it's, it's super fresh in my spirit. Only let your manner of life... Be worthy, worthy of the gospel of Christ. So whether I come and see you or I am sent, I may hear of, your, of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. It is a battle. It is a conquering battle. 28. And not frightened in anything by your opponents. By the way, our opponents are not the political agenda pushing us throw, uh, throat down these gender new concepts. Our opponents, believe me, are not the conspiracists. They are trying to convince us that there's something that we should do about it. Our opponents are not the list that we read in Romans chapter 1, the immoral, the slanders, the gossipers, the liars, the wicked, immoral people. They are not our opponents. We know who is, what is our resistance. This is clear, signed to them for their destruction. But if your salvation and that from God. Verse 29, for it has been granted to you for the sake of Christ that you should not only believe in him but you also suffer everybody say suffer, suffer. say surrender, surrender. say su suffer. suffer 
for his sake. Now, in, a, in the Portuguese and Spanish version of this text, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. You know how, how it's written there in Portuguese and in, in Spanish? It says this, that we have a grace, the grace of the revelation, the grace to be side by side, church. But there's another grace, the grace to suffer. The grace to suffer. That's how it's actually translated. That's how I was exposed for the first time about this text. We will dare to believe that there is a grace that takes us out of our comfort zone. Will we be a church that enjoys the fullness of grace, including the grace that messes up with our safety once in a while, just for the sake to proclaim the gospel. And the, the text continues saying, for this, for his sake, engage in the same conflict that you saw I had, and now here that I still have. Let me invite you.